All right, time for a fact checker where we debunk misinformation based on real evidence, real facts, setting the record straight. Joining us, our resident fact checker, Adam Rowe, here in this studio. Uh, good to see you on this holiday, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Well, um, we're talking about the COVID-19 vaccinations, and uh, we've already mentioned some of the um, misreporting that's been going on, or maybe even the embellishments on like uh, the um, side effects and keeping track on how many people have suffered from headaches or nausea and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But the, the overlying theme there seems to be we got to be worried about the safety of this virus. Now, uh, one aspect to this that has been raised by the opposition and maybe conservative media is that maybe we need to be um, putting people's minds at ease by having the top leader of the country and maybe his uh, staff kind of in a big public show take this virus, especially, I guess we're referring to the AstraZeneca one because that seems to be the one that they want to pinpoint as the bogeyman and show the country that it's safe by kind of sacrificing yourself for the country or something along those lines. Now, They claim, these people who are pushing for this, for President Moon Jae-in to to take the vaccine first, is that uh, this is a norm for other countries. Other countries do this as well. So let's start with that one. Um, Is that true? Well, uh, yeah, the claims that uh, President Moon should be uh, the first person to make. I mean, we've seen it in the U.S. as well. I mean, there was a whole group of uh, three presidents getting the vaccine. Uh, But health authorities say... Uh, that frontline healthcare workers and these other high-risk groups uh, at these high-risk facilities uh, should have the uh, priority. And the health minister has also uh, pointed out that 94% of people eligible for the first shot expressed a willingness to get the vaccine. So having these top officials and all these, uh, what uh, the leaders at the top brass of the country inoculated first would just be unfair because there's a lot of people in the public who want to get the vaccine yeah, first. And yeah, and so it, it kind of works both ways. There's a lot of resentment for some people who've been able to, let's say, I remember in the heyday of the um, pandemic in, in Western countries like in the US and the UK, where people were very upset about the fact that people of privilege were able to get tests Yeah. Whereas, you know, normal people, yeah. when there was a severe shortage of tests in those countries, that would be the same with the vaccine as well. And we're seeing people who try to actually even skip the line, so to speak, to try right. to get vaccines. Are you going to travel to some places where vaccine distributions are going on and try to mm. sneak in and get a vaccine? So the bottom vaccine line trackers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for, for those of us who follow the coverage in other countries where vaccines have already been rolled out, it is a norm. Frontline workers, um, nursery homes, and, and then the elderly are sort of the priority list. What exactly then specifically are the uh, situations like in other example countries? Well, if we look at other OECD nations, for one, because Korea is part of the bloc, there aren't that many uh, countries where the heads of state and top government officials actually get the first shot. It is pretty much similar to Korea, where all these high-risk groups uh, do have the priority. In fact, there's only three countries in the bloc uh, where such of the top brass got uh, vaccinated first. For example, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the country's Health Minister together were the first to be vaccinated, which is done live on TV. This was mostly aimed at putting the public's mind at ease over safety concerns surrounding vaccines. Uh, The Prime Minister of the Czech Republic was also the first, as well as the Health Minister of Turkey. Uh, There are also a few other nations outside the OECD, the US for one, as I mentioned, where the leaders uh, and past leaders were the first or among the first to get vaccinated. Uh, But the main priority group in more than a half of the OECD nations, including Korea, is the health workers and that uh, vulnerable demographic. And over a third of the member states have uh, given priority to these vulnerable groups, like the elderly. And so 
most of these countries have their own individual cases or reasons why. It, you highlight the uh, Israel example. Mm. There had been some very strong vaccine skepticism in the yeah. country there, and they were one of the very first countries to have yeah. a mass rollout of the vaccine. So I think it was politically deemed um, wise for the prime minister and others to get the, the shot first to try yeah. to lay those fears because we're still seeing that uh, although they have ample supply and have had yeah. the distribution program uh, ongoing for a while, uh, it's been slow going with getting the population vaccinated because a lot of people just simply right. are reluctant to do so. So that's one aspect mm. of it. Uh, But I Israel think does have one of the highest vaccination rates so now, far. Right? Yeah, yeah, because so they've been so early to the so game in terms of starting it. seems to have worked it. to some degree, right. yeah. I think here in Korea, it's really more a matter of politics than it is of the question of the vaccine itself. Because yeah, I think I, I think most, about that all day. Yeah, because most reasonable people, I bet even advisors to the president would say, you know, we're not worried about the president being hurt from taking this vaccine. And if it's deemed to be necessary yeah. to, to do it, you know, we, we can give him the shot and we want to keep him safe too. So it'd be nice to get him vaccinated first. However, then you're kind of playing into the opposition's hands, right? They say, yeah. Ah, see, we got you there, right? You're you doing it because you're, you're saying it. And uh, I think if the opposition didn't make such a big stink about the whole thing, it probably would not have been such a big deal if the yeah. person decided to get so the shot or not. So predictable, isn't it? Can, can you, can you imagine the reaction if they said, okay, well, the president's going to uh, uh, get the vaccination and then they show this whole thing and then yeah. we watch all on Zoom or whatever. <laughs> I, I, get you, I bet you the editorials coming out the next day and the conservative press will be, oh, there are so many people waiting in line for the vaccines yeah, and they're dying yeah. and they're, they're struggling. But the president, of course, with all his privilege, yeah. is going to be the first to get it, right? I know. Uh, the the way they're started. able to kind of literally just pivot on their yeah, argument yeah. sometimes. I mean, both sides of the aisle. I mean, don't, exactly. don't, just, uh, exactly. don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to well, let's down talk about conservatives that. anyway. Because um, the ruling party has been yeah. sort of under fire for um, maybe a very kind of um, determined push for reform at the expense of other legislative priorities. Mm. One of their priorities has been reforming the prosecution. And uh, one of the ways they're doing so is uh, to try to weaken the power, in, namely the investigative rights mm. and the uh, rights of indictment for the prosecution and separate those. Could you just briefly run us through what the uh, Democratic Party is planning? Right. So this, uh, uh, the Democratic Party is moving to create a new investigative agency that's tentatively being called the Serious Criminal Investigation Agency. That's kind of a rough translation yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, the proposed bill comes on the heels of the Anti-Corruption Agency. So it is different but similar in a way, but not to be confused with the two. Uh, the newly proposed agency would be dedicated to investigating serious crimes related to uh, corruption, the economy, public officials, elections, defence p r o Projects as well as major disasters. That is currently the purview of the prosecution. Now, if the new agency is established, the prosecution will become an institution that has only the right to prosecute suspects but will have no right to investigate them directly. So, you mentioned how it's tentatively, tentatively named yeah. the Serious Criminal Investigation Agency. The reason why we don't have an official name yet is because this is right now just on the proposal stage and this right. is not yeah. a law yet and I'm sure we will all be given the um, proper terminology to mm-hmm. use uh, as, as news people. The reason why they're doing so is the ruling party claims that Korea is unique in that mm. this is one of the only countries or maybe the only country that has this sort of imperial prosecution where the prosecution has complete power to investigate, uh, to to indict, and basically do everything within its own umbrella. And that is something that other countries just simply don't have. Is that the case? 
Well, uh, those claims are mostly being made by the ruling party uh, because they need to be pushing forward with their agenda. But it's also a claim that's been made by the former Justice Minister Chu Mier. But those in the legal uh, circle say otherwise, noting that many advanced democratic nations anyway share investigative powers between the police, prosecutors, and even sometimes a third investigative agency. So in this case, it would be a new agency, but it wouldn't strip any of the powers of the other institutions. Uh, And Kim Jong-min, a lawyer who was part of the Prosecutorial Reform Committee says a lot of countries in Europe, such as France, Germany, Italy, Spain, as well as Japan and a few others uh, have a similar uh, what's known as a continental criminal procedure to Korea. That is where the state investigates and punishes criminal offences on the behalf of the victims. Now, the main point he makes is that under such a system, the prosecution has the power to investigate the case, but usually leaves that process to the police. Now, if we take Germany, for example, if uh, it's prosecution doesn't actually employ investigators in-house and usually works with the police to work on a case. That doesn't mean the country's prosecution doesn't have investigative powers. If it wants to conduct a probe, prosecute and request arrest warrants, it can do. Uh, Taking things closer to home, next door in Japan, for example, although the police do most of the investigative work, the prosecution still has the power uh, to do that investigation work and can probe a case if it wants to. One case can be probed independently uh, from the police, so they both the institutions can work on the same case. And uh, then the courts will decide. Now, if we look at Anglo-American criminal procedures in the US, prosecutors also have investigative powers, although the level of their authority may vary across states. So all in all, uh, it's not just Korea that has uh, this uh, kind of situation where prosecutors have both the power to investigate and prosecute. So it's a bit nuanced then here. what, What they're saying is that other countries don't necessarily have the Uh, investigative rights of the prosecution explicitly, completely stripped away, Mm. but they are enjoying a system where, generally speaking, the district attorneys or prosecutors of various countries are hands-off for the most part with investigations, and their job mostly is to conduct probes, uh, issue warrants, and Mm. perhaps even um, make the decision to indict based on that investigative evidence. They may, in certain very rare cases also conduct probes of their own. The the pro-reform side here in Korea is basically saying that is the case. However, we've had such a decades in history of abuse and this monopolistic power enjoyed by the prosecution that the only way you can actually reform this once and for all is to actually explicitly Mm. strip that investigative right away uh, so that that, that, um, delineation is made more clear that we already see in countries like Germany. That's right. And, uh, it, 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 but then there can be an argument of what about the new investigative agency? I mean, Wait, is that going to become <laughs> another monster be mono- on yeah. its own, right? It's going to be a monopoly on its own, yeah. exactly. And that, that was the argument that came out with the anti-corruption agency before as well. So we could see the same debate happening again if, if when this is deliberated in parliament. Well, and they also say the same for the police because the police yeah. will also get some uh, much more right. uh, heightened investigative powers. Exactly. And they'll say, well, police are no angels either. And so right. you want to give that much power to them too. Yeah. So we maybe have to uh, reform the them as well. Mm. All right. Let's move on to the next one. This kind of ties into uh, what we were talking about with uh, making sure that the president gets the shot first uh, Mm. to alleviate concerns. The the COVID vaccine, whether it's effective or whether it's safe. Now, some opposition lawmakers are saying that if it's less effective, and again, I think we're pinpointing the AstraZeneca vaccine because that (laughs) seems to be the one that they want to scapegoat. 
If it's less effective, it means it's less safe. Is, is, is that correlative? Does that logically make sense? Well, yeah, if we look at the common sense side <laughs> of things, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, offend anyone yeah. here, but uh, commonsensically speaking, I mean, just because it is less effective doesn't mean it is any less safe. Right. I mean, there could be some correlation, but we'll have to do the scientific research. But uh, the heart, the, the vaccine at the heart of this debate is the one from AstraZeneca. And uh, it is true that AstraZeneca's uh, efficacy is far lower than the competition. It's about 60%, low 60% for those age 65 and over. Uh, the Korean government and a few countries have held back on giving the AstraZeneca shots to those over the age of 65. But that's not really because the jabs aren't safe. It's because there wasn't enough data to, to support the efficacy for that demographic. It wasn't really a matter about safety. Uh, What's more, these recent studies in Scotland actually showed that the AstraZeneca jab to be effective uh, among the elderly. Uh, Mm. Universities across Scotland, together with the Public Health Scotland, found that four weeks after the first dose, hospital admissions were reduced by 85% and 94% for the Pfizer and AstraZeneca shots, uh, respectively. So 94 for AstraZeneca. Exactly, a higher number, actually, for AstraZeneca. Now, among the over-80s, there was an overall 81% reduction in the numbers admitted to hospital. hospital when the results for both vaccines were combined. Uh, The British government also releases weekly reports on side effects and uh, adverse reactions to vaccines, Britain being one of the first countries to administer vaccines publicly. Uh, Over 5 million people in the UK have so far received the AstraZeneca jab. Uh, Only 20,000 cases of mild pain in the injection site and light cold symptoms were reported. That's something that's very common with uh, other vaccines as well. You know, we get those alcohol swabs to rub on the injection site that when we get a jab at hospital no serious side effects have been reported so far according to the official numbers anyway uh, so in summary less efficacy doesn't mean less safer but 60% also we should remember is better than 0% as well and it is far better than typically the seasonal flu vaccines are in right. terms of rate and so yeah. the, the, let's say hypothetically if you have 40-50% efficacy for the flu vaccine if you can inoculate the entire population get 40-50% effectiveness mm. you can reach some level of herd immunity that's the point yeah. of these vaccines right, right. is that percentage is you try to vaccinate as many people right. knowing that percentage and of course getting that uh, level of immunity among exactly. the, the the mass population you got to look at it really in the aggregate hmm. all right um learned a lot as always adam thank you very much for all the information enjoy the rest of your holiday and we'll talk to you again soon see you next week